the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Happy Friday, America. Happy Friday. Uh, is it still Friday to the Pure Opelka audience down under in Australia? There are listeners to this radio show who pick us up in Oz. So uh, I hope it's still Friday there. Let me do the math. I think it's 11 hours ahead of us. So I think they might have one more hour of Friday. So happy Friday. I hope you're getting ready to kick off a weekend. It's a free-for-all Friday today. I am open to talking about just about any topic. I will attempt to be um, clear on any topic. So the phone lines are open, 888 Yeah, there's stuff going on. Yes, there is stuff to cover. Yes, there are things I want to talk about, like Chief Justice Roberts and what he's wishing for uh, graduates. There are good news items to mention as well. There are some difficult items to mention. And I've got a little bit of a rant planned for, for the uh, communist mayor of New York City, who I think is a disgusting individual. I just think uh, what he's doing is beyond, beyond explanation. I just, I don't get it. So uh, let me start, though, with the, the two minutes or minute and a half of video that CNN has been milking for the past, oh, almost two hours. Maybe longer. It might have been uh, happening longer than two hours that CNN was dealing with this. And I'm talking about the video that shows Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin sitting with some of the other members of the G20 as this was before, before they actually went to their meeting, their individual meeting, which started almost almost 100 minutes ago. It was supposed to go 40 minutes. So uh, President Trump and Vladimir Putin have been in this meeting for close to two hours now. And I could have told you this was going to happen this way. It's not a big, big surprise. Why? Why did it happen this way? Well, it's simple. You got two guys who don't speak the other's language. And so every time somebody says something, it's got to go through a translator. And there are six people in the meeting room, Trump, Putin, Tillerson, Lavrov, and two translators. That's it. So it's going to be normally slow. It's probably actually 40 minutes worth of an actual discussion. But thanks to the translators, it's slowing things down. But the, the, the irritating thing for me, and I tweeted out a picture a little bit ago. CNN with this massive panel salivating, frothing, trying to decide... What is President Trump saying to Vladimir Putin? What should he say? What Putin will say back to him? How will this uh, affect our future? All the speculation. It's just a giant waste of time. And it took CNN about, I'm not kidding you, it took them almost a full minute to introduce the whole panel. And at the same time, in this double-decker screenshot that they have going on, 
they have um, in the corner, in the top sort of one third of the of the screen, they have uh, a picture of or a, a, a little rolling video of Trump and Putin. And it's from the the moment when they were seated. They weren't really having a meeting yet. They were shaking hands. How you doing? Good to see you. An honor to be with you. And you hear all the cameras clicking. They've got that down. But they just kept re-racking that. That's all you kept seeing was this endless loop of this one little scene. Now, there was a little something, something that was overheard then. I'll play it for you. Cameras. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. President Putin and I have been discussing various things, and I think it's going very well. We've had some very, very good talks. We're going to have a talk now, and obviously that will continue. But we look forward to a lot of very positive things happening for Russia, for the United States, and for everybody concerned. And it's an honor to be with you. It's an honor to be with you. And then the handshake that triggered all of the uh, picture taking that you heard. The end. We don't need the sounds. Turn them off your camera. I'm not sure. I think uh, in, in the rest of this clip, they they ask someone in the press asks, uh, "Do you still do you still expect Mexico to pay for the wall?" And uh, President Trump said, absolutely. That's when the Mexican president sat in the chair where Putin was earlier, Peña Nieto. And uh, Donald Trump said, yeah, absolutely. So it should be interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll get whatever comes out of this, which I don't think will be much. But I do find it, at least I find it a positive sign that the president has has gone uh, this long in this meeting that Putin and and President Trump have now talked uh, extensively. At least we hope they have. We hope they're not in there napping, but God only knows. Outside in the streets of Hamburg, things are kind of kooky. We have different reports coming from various areas saying that uh, the First Lady, Melania Trump, and the the Polish first lady, Mrs. Duda, were not able to get out of where they were staying because the protesters had made the streets unsafe. Not necessarily the streets outside of where they were, but the streets between where they were and where they wanted to go. And we're really not even into the full-on G20. Today was kind of the pomp and circumstance day. Today they took the class picture, you know, where all the people stand uh, and and they uh, make their little photo op. And you can see who's Merkel's in the middle. Merkel's the only one that's really easy to identify because she's got the orange jacket on. Everybody else is pretty much in uh, blues and blacks. President Trump on the on the far left. I think, is it Trudeau or Macron who keeps shadowing President President Trump? I think it's Macron, yeah. The new French president seems to be Velcroed to President Trump. I don't know if he's trying to show uh, strength back home or, or if they're talking about the upcoming visit that is going to happen. But uh, D Donald Trump was off on the far left of the picture. 
and Putin was on the other side, the far right, uh, and Merkel in the middle. So the, the photo's out there. I'll tweet out a link to that. We, we don't anticipate, like I said, any, any breakthrough news. Uh, there, there is discussion that China is making trade deals and that a lot of people are worried that we're going to lose our position in terms of the leader in, in the world trade, at least uh, driving it. So uh, let's see. Let's see, um, let's see what happens. Uh, I'm hopeful. Oh, oh, we have an early guest on a free-for-all Friday. The one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Rich from White Plains is checking in. How are you, sir? Welcome to uh, the program. How, how gracious, Mike. How are you? The man, the myth, the legend. Wow. I, I, I don't know how to respond. I just can't live up to that billing. Um, okay, see ya. see ya. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> What's going on, Rich? You know, Mike, I heard you, you know, at the top of the show, you know, talk about, you know, this is a waste of time. I'm not exactly sure what you were referring to, but, <clears throat> you know, every election cycle, the economy is always number one uh, priority, you know, with people as far as who they're going to vote for, you know. And Trump was elected as a, you know, the, the, the you know, he's a, oh, he's a businessman, he's a billionaire, a, economy fixer. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, I watched the news I, ever since his inauguration, and it, it seems that him and his cabinet have been preoccupied with foreign affairs more so than domestic affairs. What, so, you know, I, wait, wait, Rich, hold on. Um, and I, I don't know what statement you're referring to. I, I might have been talking about my presence today is a waste of time. Now, I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about the G20 as a waste of time. But uh, in terms of Trump, uh, and he did make reference to uh, being a jobs president, and there is an analysis from CNN of the last five months of Obama's presidency and the first five months of Trump's presidency in terms of job numbers. And, you know, while that's... Semi-valid, I think it's also invalid because seasons have different approaches and you can't compare the first five months of Obama with the first five months of Trump because Obama inherited a total economic meltdown. But that said, look at the look at what's happened, Rich. Look at the and I'm talking about domestic stuff. Look at what's happened in terms of eliminating regulations that has allowed America to once again export energy that has allowed America which will build jobs here in America to become a global future global leader in all the supply of energy. So I look at the elimination of those onerous regulations that Trump has managed to push through as a, as a huge jump. And look, we are anticipating about 148,000 jobs added today. And we got the news this morning. It was 223,000 jobs. And look at the stock market since Trump was elected, not just since he took office, but since he was elected. I, I will tell you, I don't think he's hyper-focused outside of the country. I think he's still ticking off things well, on his list of promises, among if, them being a jobs president. If, if I may, if I may. Yeah, I know. It's my show. Know, I'm sorry, but yes, you may. <laughs> just a, a, an alternate perspective on what you just said. I mean... Because Obama had placed such onerous restrictions, you know, job-killing restrictions, and, and doing it with, you know, a, a phone and a pen, 
okay? How hard would it, and, and, and how could, you know, any other, you know, president, uh, were it not Trump, be able to do the same thing as easily? I'm talking about going out the same way Obama did and just pounding the pavement for universal health care or Obamacare. Trump should be pounding the pavement for um, income tax reform, something that they've been talking about for years and years and years, okay, that would actually be not just undoing an Obama thing, but actually taking a step forward, Mike, you know what I mean? That's well, what Rich, I'm talking you, about. You make, an, you make an argument that many make that shows the difference between the Democrats and the Republicans. The Democrats seem to be all together in unison and acting like good socialist soldiers. And whatever Chuck Schumer says, they go and do. Whatever Nancy Pelosi says, they go and do. Nobody oh, yeah. questions. The Republicans, on the other hand, they, we never seem to be able to get conservatives all together. And I will tell you, I think it's because there are more strong characters within the conservative movement People all think that they've got the right idea and they don't do it as much in terms of compromise as the Democrats do. And so we end up with a lot of times frustration and things like you're hearing out of um, Mitch McConnell. But I think what McConnell is doing is actually pretty smart. I think what McConnell is doing is basically warning his his group that if you guys don't get together, we're going to lose this now. When Trump goes out and makes those pitches, which he did on a limited basis in the last few weeks, he is he is crucified by the media, said you're leading a campaign rally. Why are you? And and if you dare compare to Obama, he gets chastised for that, too. But Obama did that. You're exactly right. He went out and he sold Obamacare. Trump has got a bigger job here because he has a smaller. He does not have an unimpeachable, unstoppable majority which is what Obama had. Obama's task was much easier. Plus, undoing Obamacare is easier. It is much, undoing Obamacare is much harder than bringing Obamacare in. Just a thought. But, you know, that's... That's, that's exactly why I chose income tax reform, which would be a, an easier task. But you know what, Mike? I think we need to start with a reclassification of the parties. Um, the Democrat Party should be referred to as the Socialist Party now, particularly with with how close Bernie Sanders got to being their nominee. You know what I'm saying? And well, Rich, when you, say, you know that's not going to happen because you're not going to allow your enemy to give you a name. And that you, because we all know what would happen if I, if I let my enemies name this show, I shudder to think what it would be called. Uh, my parents would be spinning in their graves. I'm, well, I'm up against a little commercial break wall here. Happy you joined us. Happy you kicked off okay, uh, Freestyle. Freestyle Friday. Have a great weekend, Rich. And the rest of you, you want to thank you, sir. You want to join the show? 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. This is Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka 
Welcome back to Pure Opelka. There's some interesting news just popping. I know we were talking about the G20 and the fact that the president and uh, President Putin of Russia have been meeting for quite some time. And as we went to break, there was uh, an Associated Press breaking news alert. And actually, CNN could learn something from the Associated Press. CNN, uh, this is breaking news while you're farting around talking about uh, your micro breakdown of the today's jobs numbers. Um, Russia and the United States are apparently prepared to announce a ceasefire in southwest Syria starting on Sunday. Russia and the United States, according to sources from the Associated Press, are prepared to announce a ceasefire in southwest Syria starting on Sunday. Uh, that would be kind of a big deal if uh, this this brief meeting has already gotten that going. Now, I'm dubious because uh, we did this before in September of last year. I don't know if you remember it. There was a ceasefire. I think it went for about a week, maybe a, a week and a day. So uh, we'll see. We shall watch. We shall watch. So everybody's thinking about um, th- this proxy war, which has disturbed me between America and Russia over Syria. I'm hoping that now we can see, okay, maybe a little bit of lessening of tension between the two superpowers. And maybe we have uh, started to find the solution to the problem in Syria. I still think Russia is going to have its economic interests at the, at the front of any discussion, at the front of any negotiation, because Russia, Russia wants Syria for the strategic location that it offers them for delivery and access to energy. And it's about money. It's about energy. It's not about liking Bashar al-Assad and thinking he's a good guy with a good idea. This is, uh, it's all about regional dominance for Russia. So if I'm going to be hopeful. I'm going to try and remain hopeful on this Friday that, yes, that out of this first meeting with Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin, because remember, all the other times uh, Trump talked about meeting Putin, it, it apparently never happened, none of those. And so this first meeting could yield a ceasefire over southwest Syria starting on Sunday. We'll keep an eye on things. We will keep a very close eye on things. And as of yet, we we have yet to get any uh, notification that the meeting has ended between the two. And there certainly hasn't been any uh, any photographic release or anything else. So we'll see. Michael Pelka on a uh, free-for-all Friday. I'm Pure Pelka. If you want to join the conversation, the phones will be open throughout the entire show. 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. There's much to talk about today. John Podesta has been tweeting. There is the jobs news, but I think we pretty much covered that. Uh, we, We started on Trump and Putin. But when we get back, I need to rip into the mayor of New York City. I, I just, I can't believe, I'm so happy to be out of New York. I can't believe what this idiot is doing. I'll share it with you next. It's insulting and disgusting all at the same time. We'll be right back.
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to uh, Pure Opelka. I need to remind you on a Friday, like, like you need a hole in the head, but some of you have been stubborn. You haven't called Relief Factor. Look, if you have pain in your knees, your neck, your back, your, your hips, joints, anywhere, if you got it in your wrists, if it's it's pain from inflammation, once you remove the inflammation, guess what? The pain is diminished. I was taking um, eight, eight of those little gel caps a day and uh, worried about it because, I, you know, you don't want to take that much medicine every single day. And I don't want to take painkillers, prescription painkillers, and I tried Relief Factor. Thank you, Brad Staggs and Doc Thompson for bludgeoning me verbally until I finally got it. Got the three-week quick start pack. Day eight, I stopped taking those um, those pain relievers. And I haven't taken a one since. And that was back in the first week of April that I started this. And now I'm, I'm an evangelist. And I, I'm telling you, don't waste your time. Get the three-week quick start pack. It's 1995. Most people who have inflammation-caused pain see results in 7 to 10 days. Call them at 800-500-8384. Call the Relief Factor Advisors at 800-500-8384 and, and try What do you have to lose but the pain? Get, get more information online at relieffactor.com, but I'm happy I did. It's part of my breakfast, lunch, and dinner regimen, Relief Factor, all natural, anti-inflammatory. It's helped me. God, I hope it helps you. You know, we're, we're covering things, and as the Putin and Trump meeting has now ended, apparently lasted just over two hours, and we saw the Associated Press breaking news story about whatever might be a ceasefire. Uh, that, I guess that's good news, a ceasefire in, in uh, southwestern Syria that may be happening on Sunday, may or not be happening on Sunday. Uh, we, we are, um, we are getting a surprise on the internet. Remember the dress and everybody said, what color is it? What color is it? Some people saw gold and black and some people saw blue and black. Now there's a, a, a picture of, um, a Nike shirt and shorts and some sandals apparently with, uh, what color do you see? And I'm seeing like a Tiffany blue and and gray in the picture. However, I'm I'm not alone. Giselle Evans, one of the vast and unpaid resource folks out in the pure Opelka audience, Giselle said, "I see white and pink. I don't. How do you? Where's the? Am I nuts? Is this a male female color blindness thing?" But I tweeted it out. Go to at StuntBrain. Go to my Twitter page, and you'll see it. And say something. Tell me what you see. 
I think this this could light up the internet today as as we all need a little distraction on this free for all Friday. You're welcome to join the conversation. The phone lines are open. Uh, Dallas is is hooked up and ready to go. Triple eight nine hundred three three nine three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. I have to talk about a despicable creature. I have to talk about somebody who's just a. He's the worst. I'm talking about New York City's mayor, New York City's communist mayor, Bill de Blasio. Bill de Blasio, real name, Warren Wilhelm. Warren Wilhelm changed his name because he didn't think it was electable enough. He didn't think it was friendly enough. So he changed his name from Warren Wilhelm to Bill de Blasio. Bill's your buddy. Bill, hey, is that Billy de Blasio over there? No, it's Warren Wilhelm. So de Blasio is a uber, uber, uber progressive. He's a guy who thought he had a shot at being Hillary Clinton's vice president. And uh, you know what? Thank God he didn't because there might have been enough progressives around the country to, to overcome Hillary's distastefulness. And they might have had a chance to beat Donald Trump. But Bill de Blasio, mayor of New York, a guy who's had a contentious relationship with the NYPD over the years, a guy who uh, at one time, I think it was 2015, when we still were spending time, splitting time between New York and Delaware, there were these protests on the street against the cops, protests that were saying, kill the pigs, protests that were saying, F the police that Bill de Blasio just called free speech. No, they they were advocating for violence against the NYPD. These were bad people. And Bill de Blasio defended them. To the point where the NYPD actually had a problem with the mayor. And at a funeral, later that year, a funeral for an officer, many of them turned their backs when the mayor spoke at that funeral. We haven't heard much about that relationship between the mayor of New York City and the NYPD for a while. It's been months since that kind of became front and center. And even though I'm not in the city, I keep an eye on the city. And two days ago, when we had a New York City police officer assassinated as she sat in a police vehicle, she was shot in the back of the head by a, a, a career criminal, Officer Myosotis Familia, a veteran of the New York City Police Department who leaves children behind, leaves a family behind, the 46th precinct in, in the Fordham section of the Bronx and other precincts draped in black as they mourn the loss. Well, that, that was pretty much a day and a half ago that, that this happened. And then today, actually yesterday, the NYPD was swearing in new cadets. Can't think of a more important job than having great men and women on the police force in New York City. And I couldn't think of a more important place for the mayor of New York to be other than at the swearing-in of the new class of officers who are about to get their assignments 
a day after one member of the force was killed, assassinated, kind of would have seemed important to me. But no, the mayor of New York didn't have time, didn't have a moment in his busy schedule to be driven over to the swearing-in. I think it's at one police plaza. He didn't even have to leave Manhattan Island. This is a guy who gets chauffeured to a gym every morning, even though he has one within walking distance. This is a guy who is among the entitled progressive class, and this is why I call them Mercedes Maoists, because that's how they live. This is a guy who doesn't respect, I believe, the men and women of law enforcement. Otherwise, why would you blow off the NYPD graduation ceremony, the swearing in of all those new officers who probably nervous the day after Officer Familia was assassinated? Why would you do it? I'm sure he had a good reason, right? Well, if you ask, if you ask why the mayor wasn't there, you're told uh, scheduling conflict. And what's the scheduling conflict? The mayor of New York skipped the NYPD swearing-in ceremony so he could pack his bags and get ready to fly to Hamburg, Germany to join the protesters at the G20. I wish I were kidding. I wish I were kidding about this. In a last-minute announcement... He was said that he, quote, will attend several events surrounding the G20 summit, including Saturday's Hamburg Zeithaltung rally, which that means Hamburg shows altitude. He'll be, according to uh, documents from the Hamburg Zeithaltung, he will be the keynote speaker. And they're paying for his trip, at least the taxpayers aren't. The mayor's also going to stop over in Berlin where his son Dante is in a summer internship program. And I'm sure he had all summer to do that. Dante's going to be there all summer. Dad could go by just about any weekend. But the weekend after a NYPD officer is assassinated and a new class is sworn in seems to be kind of insensitive, doesn't it? Kind of an insult to those men and women. Just, um, I, I don't know how you get past this. The city is in mourning. The leadership should be there in mourning, too. All of this reminded me of a great, a great piece of audio from one of the great voices in talk radio. And um, it's, it's a, a really about how I view police. And I'll share it with you. From Paul Harvey, next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. There's no way 
There's absolutely no way to say thank you enough to cops. Ever. So in order to make up for Bill de Blasio and his stiffing the NYPD to go protest the G20, I share with you Paul Harvey, the legend, the radio legend Paul Harvey, who left us in 2009, and his tribute to the policeman. Policeman. A policeman is a composite of what all men are, I guess, a mingling of saint and sinner, dust and deity, called statistics, wave the fan over stinkers, underscore instances of dishonesty and brutality because they are news. What that really means is that they are exceptional. They are unusual. They are not commonplace. Buried under the froth is the fact. And the fact is that less than one half of one percent of policemen misfit that uniform. And that is a better average than you'd find among clergymen. What is a policeman? He of all men is at once the most needed and the most wanted, a strangely nameless creature who is sir to his face and pig or worse behind his back. He must be such a diplomat that he can settle differences between individuals so that each will think he won, but if a policeman is neat, he's conceited. If he's careless, he's a bum. If he's pleasant, he's a flirt. If he's not, he's a grouch. He must make instant decisions which would require months for a lawyer, but if he hurries, he's careless. If he's deliberate, he's lazy. He must be first to an accident, infallible with a diagnosis. He must be able to start breathing, stop bleeding, tie splints, and above all, be sure the victim goes home without a limp or expect to be sued. The police officer must know every gun, draw on the run, and hit where it doesn't hurt. He must be able to whip two men twice his size and half his age without damaging his uniform and without being brutal. If you hit him, he's a coward. If he hits you, he's a bully. A policeman must know everything and not tell. He must know where all of the sin is and not partake. The policeman from a single human hair must be able to describe the crime, the weapon, the criminal, and tell you where the criminal is hiding, but if he catches the criminal, he's lucky. If he doesn't, he's a dunce. If he gets promoted, he has political pull. If he doesn't, he's a dullard. The policeman must chase bum leads to a dead end, stake out ten nights to tag one witness who saw it happen but refuses to remember. He runs files and writes reports until his eyes ache to build a case against some felon who will get dealed out by a shameless Seamus or an honorable who isn't honorable. The policeman must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And, of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. Any questions? When that came out, the average cop's salary was somewhere between forty dollars and $60,000. Not a whole lot of money by today's standards, especially when you consider most men and women who work in the law enforcement, are family people, and they do have risks involved in their jobs every day. 
I don't know too many careers outside of uh, the first responders and, and the military where you actually wonder if someone's going to come home that day, if they're going to make it back. So, Mayor de Blasio, you are the jack wagon of the week, sir. And I know you're not flying coach across the ocean because I know some radical liberal group is paying for a first class ticket to you for you to fly across so you can be there instead of home doing what you should be doing, taking care of a grieving family and maybe, just maybe rallying the men and women of the NYPD. Michael Pelka taking a break. We'll be right back. Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network.